0: Midlife. The
1: Midwest.
0: It's the middle class. The Millennials. Baby Boomers. West Coast. East Coast. The far right. The far left. What we need is some middle ground. Middle ground. Middle. Middle. Middle ground. Middle, middle ground. Middle ground. Welcome. To our podcast, I am Chris Otto. I'm in Cass City, Michigan, right now. The other voice you're about to hear is Chris Kelch. He is in Chicago. How you doing, man?
1: Uh, not bad. Welcome back from uh, California. You sound—I can't see you, but you sound tanned and rested, if that's possible. But that's what you sound like.
0: <laughs> I am rested, and my Irish slash German skin is not
1: tanned. No, no, mine doesn't tan either.
0: Yeah, no, it was—it was a very good trip, and uh, did a lot of drink. A lot of champagne was consumed, man. Because I was, uh, I don't know if you knew this, you may not know this, Sunday was my birthday. I turned 49. Congratulations. And then uh, one night we're at dinner at Universal City and the waitress was really kind of flirty and talkative with us. Uh-oh. Turns out she's a starving actress who's waiting tables. And so Nina turns to me and she's like, wow, I've never met a real starving actress who's waiting tables. This is great. And I thought, bing, 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 Podcast. So this I tell this girl about my pod, about the podcast and she was so into it. She wrote it down, she wrote down the URL. She emailed me yesterday. She's like, I've listened to four of them. You guys are funny. I want to be on.
1: Oh, that's nice. I thought you were gonna say as soon as you went to, as soon as Nina said that, I thought there was something in your brain that went ding ding ding. Threesome. Oh <laughs> uh,
0: that that was a different <laughs> ding ding ding. No. <laughs> she. She said yes, yes to the podcast, no to the threesome.
1: Okay, well, one for two is not bad. One for two is not bad. Did that make Did that make you miss L.A. a little bit? Being out there in that area, in that uh, that's that's kind of, I like being out there, and that's fun.
0: No, I didn't miss it. I hate L.A. <laughs> okay. I hate it, I, ha- cool. I hate the traffic. I mean, we got you know as soon as we got into L.A. County, traffic ground to a halt. We sat there for twenty five minutes for no reason. Six lanes going north, six lanes going south. It's a freaking parking lot. And, uh, you know, it's, just, I hate LA. It's just, there's no reason to live there. All right. I don't know how you feel. Well, actually I do know how you feel, but I don't even want to discuss the tournament.
1: As soon as it was over, I was, I was relieved. Like I, I did, it made me realize how much I don't give a shit about that tournament when Michigan state's not involved. I don't care about any of those teams, not all one. Not
0: one. I agree. Because as soon as I saw the score, um, I ripped up my brackets because I knew I was done. And uh, that was it. I literally – I did not watch one game. I could not tell you – well, I think I can name who's in the final four just because I've seen it sports pages. But – uh, I haven't, I haven't seen anything. Nothing. I was pissed
1: because, because I mean, it, it's the first day that well, the second day of the tournament. First day was Thursday. Second day was Friday. It happens so quickly, and your bracket's destroyed on the first day. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, what do I do in the next couple of weeks? Like that—that's your whole life for uh, two, three weeks. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Well, you know what I think. Um this trip to California was a great distraction for me because once we got on the plane, I literally just, I was like, I don't give a fuck about it. We're not watching basketball. We're not going to take any time out of our vacation. No TV. And we didn't.
1: I'm sure Nina was just fine with that. Oh,
0: she was thrilled. Cause if they'd have made it, you know, every game I would, we would have put a pause on everything and we were in front of a TV. So,
1: Yep, I know. All right. Well, it all worked out well for you. I'm glad your relationship could blossom at the expense of Spartan Nation.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: In fact, uh, I don't have a lot to report. You obviously had a far more interesting week than I did resting and relaxing out in Southern California. And you were even, on top of that, probably more productive than I was. But uh, I will say this. A couple of updates for you, Chris. One... I carpet bombed my face. There was I had like an ingrown what? zit, or yeah, I had like an ingrown zit or something like that. And so I thought, well, I'll just do the old school kind of like b- burn it a little bit, put apply some heat to it, and bring it to a head and see what I can do there. And uh, I misfired when I did that, <laughs> and I ended up burning. Uh, a significant. It looks like I took a right cross to the face. So this was uh, last week, right before the Easter break, and uh, basically I look like a, a a person who's been beat up, like a like a bad fighter. Um, so
0: really, is it all just on one side of your face, like a? Yeah, it's
1: all. Just, yeah, it's all just on one side of my face, and uh, you know, trying to do the uh, surgery at home. I don't recommend that, folks. That's why we have dermatologists make use of them. They're licensed <laughs> to do this kind of work. And uh that's one update. The other thing I wanted to share with you, I went back on Good Friday yeah. to the uh to the Russian bathhouse and I got the Russian rub down from a guy named Vasily. And uh he <laughs> <laughs> he worked it hard. He got a lot of toxins out, and gave me it's just a big steamy bath rub down type thing. And uh um, wow. And his name is Vasily. He hardly speaks any English, but he, he, he did a nice job. So thank you, Vasily. And it's a great Russian name, Vasily. It's the same name as uh, Connery's number two in uh, the hunt for Red October when he goes, uh, one ping only, Vasili. <laughs> so that's who took care of me. And um, Wow. So, think,
0: hey, yeah. shout out to Vasily. Come on the podcast, man. We want to know what that experience was like. Good Friday, indeed. Wait, before you get off Good Friday, I have to ask, did either you or Vasily eat meat?
1: (laughs) uh, I'm unfortunately becoming less, well, fortunately or unfortunately becoming less less Catholic as I grow up. And uh, certainly ate meat on Good Friday, went to Smoke Daddy Barbecue right on division (laughs) after that. And then uh, for Easter Sunday, I went to uh, the Sunday Mass at St. Vincent de Paul's in Lincoln Park. And then I went out to Nookie's Diner for brunch. Oh, yeah. And just had old just sat at the counter, old school. Had a bunch of uh, eggs and ham and just all kinds of stuff. So nice. That was CK's uh, Easter, uh, uneventful and um, fun. That's Kinda nice, relaxed. Uh, not I,
0: not as nice as yours though. I know Nookie's well, right there in Halstead, and uh, just north of Armstead. Oh yeah. And uh, so did you? Yeah. So you were at Saint Vincent de Paul's, which uh, in that neighborhood, which its proximity to de Paul University, that particular service is called ass mass is it not
1: it is the uh, the sunday five o'clock mass the evening oh, a- uh, mass the is ass ass the young mass. adults mass where it tends to be younger people single people that is i think more officially the ass mass uh i went to the 10 o'clock which is not as assy uh, <laughs> but uh a lot of families and kids and stuff and uh but yeah that is that is where that originated that was the ass mass the original ass mass um, doing really well had a bad review at work today oh uh, that's no that's i want to hear it, about that what happened it was uh, the guy sits me down and he goes i don't understand what happened uh, ever since about and he goes back to the date it's roughly five or six weeks ago He goes, everything just kind of stopped you'd be giving me these leads and everything got really hard and blah 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 and without saying anything in my review I can tell you exactly what happened about five or six weeks ago we started this and I got excited <laughs> about this and realized how shit my job was and I start, stopped giving a shit about it and started thinking about the stuff that I really want to do which is stuff like this creative stuff and fun stuff And that's exactly what happened. But I, of course, didn't say that in the interview. I just put my head down and went, yeah, you're right. I need to focus up a little bit more, blah, blah, blah. So that's how that played out.
0: Do you really think this podcast is affecting your day job, your performance?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because I uh, I like to think about things that are possible and things that where where things could grow and where things could take off and and I think about the podcast and think about where we could go with it and the audiences we could reach and that gets me emotionally excited and invested emotionally in in this because it I'm happiest when I'm creating things and, and contributing to things and not just You know, sales and marketing is a a part of life. I I get that. I'm, I'm proud to, or at least happy that I went through that part of my life, you know, understanding how to sell and how to market things. But the real passion in my life is creating things. And that's why once this came around, my performance kind of slipped a little bit at work maybe i can make some adjustments but all right well that's between you and the, me that's between you and me and the listeners of middle Ground. that's right
0: dozens and dozens of listeners no we're excited about so just for the listeners benefit in the coming weeks we should be on itunes shortly we should be uh have a twitter account shortly we should have a facebook account shortly uh because right now we're pretty limited on soundcloud that's the only way to get us so actually it's very exclusive and uh you know people should feel people and and actually in all fairness in doing some more research there's a lot of middle ground websites and podcasts out there we're very hard to find yeah we're very hard to find
1: yeah even if you type in middle ground we're halfway down the uh the thing the only the way i can tell that it's us is that cool logo we came up with with the two (laughs) dudes heads the silhouettes there
0: yeah people are always Um, like which one is you i'm like uh the good looking one i don't know (laughs) neither
1: The one with the pale skin. Yeah. No, you both have pale skin. Um, you're right. So it's, it's, but we can make it more exclusive. We can say it's available to, uh, you know, SoundCloud gold members
0: only. Uh. Wait, I do encourage, so anyone who is listening to us on SoundCloud, though, it would be good. We'd love for you to follow us. Just hit that button that says follow and follow. I think right now we have like 10 people following us, and four of them are the last name uh, Kelsch we need to boost that
1: so autos out there start yep. doing your share I don't think
0: the autos have any soundcloud accounts i gotta work on that too um
1: <laughs> they're, on, they're still on am radio yeah. god bless them
0: <laughs> yeah we need so we need follows uh and then i will put out the facebook and the twitter stuff uh as soon as that gets going so it'd be nice if people uh help get the get the word out if you like it if you like it uh you know please tell other people
1: that's how it's done in this day and age. That's right, and we social should social media.
0: Social media, unfortunately, it's responsible for everything good and everything bad about living in the, the 2000 teens. Agreed. Um, but two men in the middle at gmail.com taking suggestions, ideas, comments, criticisms. Uh, if you want to be a guest, that would be great. Two men in the middle, no spaces, uh, at gmail.com. Send us a note. Love to hear from you. So, well, all right we got to bring on this next guest. I'm kind of excited about this.
1: I would be, too. A uh, lot of <laughs> lot of past, a lot of history. A lot, lot of, of history here. Excitement and emotion here in the room. It's very excitement, exciting. Excitement, emotion, yeah, it's, yeah.
0: tension. Uh, no, it's – it's. so this is – well, first of all, I should say, this is somebody who is doing her part to save the world. She is out there advocating for um, women who have suffered abuse, uh, children who have been abused, Uh, Any minority that has been repressed or marginalized in any way, LGBT, African-Americans, she lives in Benton Harbor, Michigan, and... Is involved with so many different groups that do so many good things for people who need it. That uh, when you listen to her, you really feel like uh, so far you've wasted your life.
1: (laughs) There, I was going to say, Chris, and uh, speaking for you and me and her, there are so few of us out there who are really (laughs) contributing like she is. I'm telling you, I'm kidding. That's a joke. No, she's done amazing work, and uh,
0: she is. She's a good person,
1: and we're, we're lucky to have her too. So.
0: Well, we're lucky. The only reason we have her, let's face it, anyone with that kind of uh, psychological, social fabric to their lives probably would want nothing to do with you or me. Let's face it. (laughs) But the only reason she agreed to talk to us and be on this podcast is because uh, she had the misfortune of dating me in high school about 30 years ago. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm and her she's first. One
1: of, and she's actually one of the few who survived and and lived to tell about it. Uh, <laughs> well, so there's going to be a book coming out. This is the kind of person that that they make uh, documentaries or they make movies about, and then like Jodie Foster has the lead or Michelle exactly Pfeiffer has the lead, and and you see, oh, that was great. She went in and really taught those kids how to have a purpose and blah, blah, blah. Give them hope, things like that. And so I'm sure there's an Academy Award coming her way soon.
0: Uh, And she, and she overcame dating an incredibly immature, (laughs) ridiculous boy of an 18 year old a long time ago in high school. So she's, uh, she was my first girlfriend. I'm her first boyfriend. And I will say she's the only person I've ever dated, uh, that still speaks to me.
1: It's incredible. (laughs) It says a lot about her. I think it says more about her than it does about you. You're exactly exactly right. But the the lesson here is if you're going to date a guy like Chris Otto, do it early. Make the mistake early in the game. You can recover and really have an amazing life afterwards.
0: That's right. It may take 20 or 30 years, but damn it, stay with it. Stay with it. You can do it. So, uh, yeah, very happy to have her here, and uh, I want everybody to uh, give a warm, middle ground welcome to our guest, Jenny Miner. Here we go. Welcome, Jenny Miner.
2: Thanks, thanks, Jenny. Thank you.
0: So, a lot of things that I just explained a few minutes there before the music about Jenny's resume and her advocacy in the social arena for <laughs> LGBT and women and the great things she does for children and uh, for the poor and low income and cities across the Midwest. But let's just get the elephant out of the room. Well, that almost we... sounded
2: like kind of sarcastic. <laughs> no. almost. oh, okay. No,
0: it's great. I'm sorry. Should I? I I'll change my tone. All. Terrific, <laughs> fantastic work that you're doing, mm-hmm. but just to get the elephant out of the room. So we've known each other for 36 years. Yes, and uh, met in sixth grade. Yeah, we went together. Well, I'm doing air quotes <laughs> <Right>. for about. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Will you go with
2: me? Now they call that talking. Well, that's talking? just talking.
3: Or, yeah. you, you threw
0: your microphone across <laughs> the room. Did.
2: They call it. My girls call it talking. Like if they're talking with somebody. But if I say, like, you're going with someone, they left. Oh, it's I think not that's going really with anymore. Not at all.
0: Okay. Well, we, I guess, went together. We were talking in right, eighth grade right. for a couple of weeks, and then we weren't <laughs> talking anymore. <laughs> And then actually, senior year of high school, we started dating, and we had a pretty serious, probably the first serious relationship for both of us. Right. Which is why this interview is incredibly awkward. Yeah. No, it's not. More awkward for Chris than for us, maybe.
1: It's not awkward for me at all. I think in today's world, and Chris and I, you and I have touched on this, with social media and everything going on with Facebook and what have you, unless you've done something really toxic to someone, it just seems like... And this is an overgeneralizing, but it does seem like that relationships really don't end. You just have so many ways of staying in touch with someone that you never had before. Oh no, 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 No. don't
0: get don't get us wrong. This one ended, believe me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was gonna say define toxic. Yeah, exactly.
0: It ended big time. Uh, It (laughs) crashed and burned freshman year Uh, of college. But no, but it was no. But I see your point. It's you're right. Nobody really gets out of touch anymore. but that's not how we got back in touch. It was our 25-year high school reunion. Yeah. yeah.
1: All right. So this Isn't I want to crazy? touch on without, again, not being too awkward. So, Jenny, you see Chris at the 25th year reunion. <laughs> and at what what's the internal emotional reaction? Are you At that point, are you ready to let bygones be bygones and see how he's developed as a human being or not developed as a human being? Are you really ready to take a look at this guy and become a friend? I guess there's something inside you that just says, all right, war is over. Time for a thaw. Let's be friends.
2: No, I think uh, I think it was it was really cool to see him again. That was kind of a neat thing. Now, Chris and I we dated, but we were friends through yeah. junior high, so we were friends first.
0: We were friends for years before yeah, we started dating. For sure. yeah.
2: yeah, we were kind of in our same little junior high clan. Yeah, and it, it was a it, so, it, it
0: was a bad breakup, like any breakup. I think when you're twenty, 19 right. or twenty. Right. But I don't. I didn't hold a grudge all those years. No, Actually, I didn't. Actually, we, we did see each other once, a few times. Yeah,
2: we did. No, I'd never, I never. I've never had ill will or ill feelings or anything. I so when I saw you at the or saw Chris at the reunion, then it was kind of cool. Actually, that was kind of a neat thing.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I, there was there was like a spark of you know. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if we will call it chemistry, familiarity, something.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that was kind of, and it was kind of cool. But we had actually, because of the reunion, then we had kind of emailed one another before we saw each other at the reunion. Oh, we did. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, because nice. it was through, so it was through that connection. You don't ever remember anything. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> it was actually, that made actually seeing one another then at the reunion, I think, a little bit more comfortable.
1: Yeah. But, did so. you bring spouses? To, I'm trying to think of where this was in the uh, timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jenny, did you have a spouse that you brought to the reunion?
2: Yes, Yes, it's the same spouse I have now.
1: <laughs> Whew, good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Awesome. Yeah. Chris, at that time, did you, were you with your spouse or had you at that I time I uh,
0: did not. Actually, I'm shocked that Jenny hasn't made a, a crack at this point about my date. I did not have a spouse. I had a date who, uh, who I'd been dating for, oh boy, at that point, probably a year or something.
1: So everyone came with a wingman. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> everyone looked good, presented right, well. Right. Absolutely. Well done, kids. Yes. Well done.
0: We had uh, uh, chaperones, yes. Good. No, but yeah, and we've we've been in pretty close touch since, since then. I think we've yeah. both had things in our lives happen in the last few years that uh, – it's just nice to have somebody that you've known for that long. I don't yeah. know, other than my brother and sister, and I'm sure you feel the same, there, there aren't very many, if any, people I've known longer than you.
2: Right. I think I think we always have had an ability to talk to one another pretty openly anyways, and so that didn't take long for that to come back. So,
1: where, uh, so how are things going now? I mean, you're in Benton Harbor. Obviously, I'm assuming you never left Western Michigan.
2: Well, I had a stint in Elkhart, Indiana for a couple of years, but couldn't get out of there fast enough.
1: <laughs> wow. I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. Elkhart, Indiana. The first thing Ooh. that comes to mind, a lot of manufacturing, like trailers. Oh, yeah. and RV homes and all kinds of stuff in that area. But if you don't have a passion for that, I think
2: you're in and you're out. Right. Well, a lot of domestic violence, so... <laughs> There was high need for my my kind of work. You do live in very high domestic violence areas. You go where you go where the jobs are. <laughs> but
0: now you're not. You're working for I said it in the intro, but Water Street Glassworks teaching people how to blow glass. So <laughs> right. I think I understand it, but you need to make the connection there. I think.
2: Well, Water Street Glassworks was really it's a nonprofit school for the arts of glass and metal, and so the the purpose behind the school was to put it in a a uh, very challenged community Um, so when the building was purchased and bought for this purpose um, it was in an area that I'm you know like tumbleweeds were blown across the street you know I mean it was it was an abandoned area of downtown Benton Harbor that at one time was really quite the center of uh, Berrien County and so it had fallen into disrepair the building the whole community So the school was built with the concept in mind that through the arts not only can somebody um, change perspective and understand many different perspectives but you can kind of transform yourself through that Uh, what's really neat about the glass arts is you know you're dealing with some pretty heavy duty equipment some pretty Mm -hmm. challenging things things are 2000 degrees you know it's molten glass so so you're, you're dealing with some tools and uh, an environment that can be pretty unsafe, and so you're taking people who live in these horrible situations and you're allowing them an opportunity to master something that it, the average person can't do. So what that does for somebody emp- is it's incredibly empowering. So we can have these young people from these absolute horrible homes that they live in come to the school they learn this incredible art they're able to not only express themselves as individuals but then kind of transform themselves into gosh I really have some skills I have some value look at the things I can do mm-hmm. um, and I have seen these young people just completely turn their life around because now they have this sense of self-esteem the sense of who they are this ability to express themselves and um, And so not only does the individual transform, but then through that, you're able to kind of transform this whole community. So the school has been um, a real means of people uh, changing their own path or their own direction. But because of its presence in the area in Benton Harbor that it's been, it's been kind of the start of an economic development or a whole economic revival of this six block area.
0: So can you actually point? the improvement and the development to the school? or Are there other businesses that are joining in the effort?
2: There there have been other businesses that have been a part of it, but the school was sort of the cornerstone of what's called the Arts District in Benton Harbor. And so the school was really the first building um, that was purchased for the purpose of transforming that area of the community. So it really, I would say yes, it does trace back to the school and the school's presence. And then Mm. all of a sudden there was a business that opened up next door and then there was another one. There's also It's called the Arts District. There's also across the street from us, there's what's called the Citadel, which is a school for the performing arts. So there's a bunch of kids that go over there. So there's opportunity for music and a stage presence. And then there's um you know kind of the visual arts that we do yeah so, you're uh, creating so it's really sort of starting a little, to yeah
0: it's like a little arts district right it there is. In that that's exactly street. what it is
1: so we're talking about the western part of the state of michigan not far from lake michigan i want to say st joe's in that area but can you just elaborate a little bit more on the area that we're talking about
2: yeah well it's barry county so uh you know the chamber of commerce likes to call it michigan's great southwest i Kind of laugh about that a little bit, but um, so Benton Harbor, St. Joe, it's a, a very interesting community. So, St. Joe is about 7,000 people, um, it's on the lake, it's got this great beachfront. Um, the river divides the two cities, so, St. Joe is on the, the west side, lake side, yep. yeah, yep. with the lake, and then there's a bridge that goes across the river into Benton Harbor. Benton Harbor has just a very small part of it that even has any lake or beach access. That's now the big golf course there. And yep. oh, we could talk for a long time about that. Lots of money. Endeavor. PGA,
0: yeah. Jack Nicklaus, lots of money. there.
2: Um, so you go across the the bridge and into Benton Harbor. Benton Harbor is uh, like 93% black. It's very, very poor. There's an average family income of like $11,000 a year. So you know, there's not a whole lot of resources in this community. And it is, you know, right there next to this community yeah. that's all white, that's very, very wealthy. The, the average income in St. Joe is like $70,000 a year or something. And that it had, outrageous am there
1: was manufacturing, I knew Whirlpool was there. Or, yep. Was there some manufacturing yeah. that was there that left?
2: Yeah, but that was like back towards the end of the 70s, kind of that, that first, the first recession of our lives anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Benton Harbor was at one time really a pretty successful city. Uh, so probably 80s, I can remember, we, I played basketball in high school and we would play against them
0: growing up when you learn about the state of Michigan, I remember learning that that was Michigan's twin cities. Right. Benton Harbor, St. Joe were right. both kind of thriving communities. They were roughly the same size, but now it's couldn't be further from the truth.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and size-wise, uh, Benton Harbor really is much larger mm-hmm. than St. Joe, and St. Joe is happy to have it that way. I mean, yeah. there's, there's definitely some clear boundaries that are drawn between the city of St. Joe and the city of Benton Harbor. Um, so it, it's a very interesting community. We had, right when we moved there about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, um, we moved at the end of the summer. But during that summer, there were, were what were called the riots. I mean, the local people call it riots. Everybody else calls it the civil disturbance. <laughs> you know, that's the what incident. they want to call it. Yeah, the civil <laughs> disturbance. Um, but it was it truly was a racial riot. And there had been incidents of police brutality to people who were black who were walking on the streets of St. Joe. And and so there had been a number of incidents, and then it kind of culminated with this uh, police chase of an African-American man from Benton Harbor through the city of St. Joe, and he ended up in an accident because of the chase, and he died. And so that was sort of the- This
0: is like Ferguson before Ferguson.
2: It really, yeah. Absolutely it was. And and certainly there is still rebuilding from those incidents that are going on or, or attempts at rebuilding. I'm not real sure that it's that it's happening very well. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I think one of the challenging parts for Benton Harbor is you can see that there are many communities that are primarily black people in Michigan. Detroit's a great example. But in Benton Harbor, it's really a it's a segregated area, but it's really separated. There's not another community with a lot of black people in it anywhere near that. I mean, you go outside Mm -hmm. of Benton Harbor and it's all farms and those are primarily white people. So it's not just that it's segregated, it's that it's really separated and I think that that makes it that much more challenging. Um, Resources are that much more difficult to get.
0: How did that become a place for African-American people What was there that they they immigrated there or went there?
2: Well, there were a number of um, factory jobs. They were making primarily making parts for the automotive industry like any other community around Michigan, really. And so um, with Whirlpool, which was very big and still is, um, and then all of the smaller businesses that were a part of manufacturing for automobile parts, um, the, the city was really striving. They were doing really well. Well then during the recession, as businesses started to close, those parts makers weren't so um, in demand, then the people, the white people, really started to flee the city. Mm -hmm. And so as the white people left, then that left a population of unskilled people who couldn't get who jobs couldn't in leave. the factory, yeah. So it's
0: like a small version of what's happened in Detroit. Absolutely. The same thing, yeah, white flight. Is. So what we, we talked a little bit before we went on here about the, the water crisis in Flint, mm-hmm. and you made a comment that Benton Harbor's not that, not that far behind there. What, what right. did you mean by that?
2: Well, there's, okay, when we were young in the 70s, there was all this stuff about PBB. Um, it's a contaminant that actually comes from farms, and so there's a high um, count per however they do that, um, in the water in Baton Harbor and it's one of those things that, it's like any of those things nobody wants to talk about it, nobody wants to make it an issue. The the city council will talk about it and the city council of Benton Harbor will make it an issue, but the challenge for the city council is um, it's a true representation of the people of the city but th- within that then is the inherent challenge of not having resources or not having those connections with people who have resources who mm-hmm. can help to put them into the city and make things happen. And I think that that's one of the, the benefits of being white is whether you're wealthy or whether you're poor, you have connections to people who do have resources
0: uh, or you have, or you have, or
2: you have them yourself.
0: You have, or you have wealthy white people in Congress, in your city council, right. on your county right. board you get of people commissioners. You look like
2: you yeah. that have resources everywhere you go. Exactly. I, and,
1: uh, there, there's gotta be a lot of truth to that. Cause remember Carl Banks, um, who went to Michigan state and was from Flint and he's actually, uh, works in public service. Now he said something amazing. He said, you know, Flint water crisis would have never happened in Farmington Hills or Birmingham or any of those communities. And you got to admit that he's right. You know, there's a a lot of truth to that. I mean, a lot of it is just transparency and getting the word out there, but that's, there's gotta be a lot of truth to
2: that, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure. And you know, on a, on a small scale, I think, in the Detroit area it's a little bit harder to see it's a large scale there's there's um, cities around Detroit that have large populations but in Benton Harbor st. Joe you don't have that it's a very small area and, and yeah
1: and it's like Grand Rapids you know yep. obviously is a, a good-sized city but that's not quite the same it doesn't I want to say this the right way but it doesn't have the cachet of Detroit or the yeah. the it, it's just not as well known I mean Grand Rapids you know for it's very nice and it's clean and it's, but just no one knows about it. Right. Know yeah. I mean? It's
0: Grand Rapids is an interesting, Jenny and I grew up in Grand Rapids. That's where we met at East Kentwood high school there in the suburbs of Grand Rapids. But it's a very, at least it used to be, I think it's changing a little bit, but it's very white, very religious, very Christian reformed, a lot of Dutch Christian reformed people that oh, yeah. settled there. So yeah. it's, it's a relatively quiet city. Mm-hmm. Um, not big enough to make, you know, have professional sports teams, at least at the major league level, it's got sort of minor league sports teams, but just a fantastic place to grow up.
2: Well, but, but again, if you look at it, it was a fantastic place for, for two yeah, white okay, middle-class people to grow up. St. Right. Um, Joe is probably a good place for my kids to grow up yep. because they're white. But, you know, I also always have a little bit of guilt about that too because there definitely are priv- privileges. When you hear people talk about white privilege, that absolutely is true. There yep. absolutely is that given. And um, so I've always tried to make sure that my kids are aware of what that is so that they can, one, value it, and two, recognize that other people don't have that and that that is an inherent barrier to people who aren't white. Right. And that that's important to understand if we're ever going to get past it.
0: What are the demographics of the high school where your girls go to school?
2: Oh, it's primarily white. Now, interestingly enough, they've started to do, a few years ago, they started the schools of choice. So there are a number the Benton Harbor's public schools are horrible. They're they're seriously in debt. They've had turnover after turnover of superintendents. It's just it's horrible. It's there's no tax base and the money that they have had has been spent inappropriately. Um, not necessarily because they've wanted to spend it inappropriately, but because they don't, again, it's back to not having resources. So you have people trying to run an education system who haven't had that situation before, who haven't had that experience. And so, you know, it's kind of like saying, well, you you figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of hard to do. So so the school system is struggling. Um, so they started the schools of choice thing. So a number of kids from Benton Harbor had been applying to try to get into St. Joe, which actually St. Joe Public Schools are one of the best public schools in Michigan. <laughs> So these kids are trying to get... It's
0: so typical. You've got one of the worst right next door to one of the best, and nobody crosses that And never the two shall meet. Yeah. yeah.
2: So these kids from Benton Harbor are applying and trying to get in, and I actually had a situation um, with one of my friends who's black. Her son wanted to get into um, St. Joe High School. She went over and asked... This was a few, several years ago. She went over and asked St. Joe High School for the application, and they said, oh, we don't have any today, right? So of course, in my head, I'm going, oh, that's bullshit. Yeah, right. Good day to run Absolutely out of applications. Bullshit. Yeah. So I said, well, let's find out about that. So then I went over and asked for an application. Oh, here you go. How many kids do you have? Wow. Right. So I mean, we're still talking about that kind of basic. Isn't there a lawsuit right there? I mean, of course there is. Of course there <laughs> that's is. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, Elisa, this this mom of this young young boy, um, would have never had it wouldn't even cross her mind that she could sue somebody. It no. would be like, oh, now what am I going to do? I can't right. get him in there. Yeah, they don't need that. Right. So she didn't even think about it. Now, um, we did end up getting him in, I'll say that. But it took some effort. Yeah. <laughs> and and sometimes it does. It does take somebody who at least is perceived as ha- as having resources to advocate on behalf of that. And so then, you know, nobody nobody wants somebody saying, hey, your your school system is racist, right. so
0: the people that you are in contact with at the school or in classes, and I know there's a lot of young people, but I'm sure you are still involved in the community in Benton Harbor. Who are they supporting for president?
2: Oh, that's interesting. Um, I see it more divided by age. Um, The young people really like Bernie. I mean, the high school kids all think he's the greatest. It's interesting. My daughter, who is 16, writes for the newspaper at the school. And she has been really upset because she's a Bernie supporter. She knows his his platform what he stands for all that crap right and she gets really mad because these other kids are saying that they're bernie supporters but they don't know what they're supporting <laughs> they're and not up her, on the policy yeah, it makes issues her very Mom. upset so she's like you know they say it and they don't really mean it because they don't even know what he stands for they don't even know what socialism is and so it's interesting to Welcome hear Welcome to
0: america yeah
2: exactly it's interesting to hear her kind of her nerdy intellectual friends talk versus the rest of the world. But I would say the African-American people that I know um, and those who I guess would be more marginalized um, populations uh, are really Hillary Clinton supporters. Um, Mm. However, in the St. Joe, it's very conservative. I mean, you you actually see Ted Cruz signs yard signs.
1: You are in the trenches every day and you are face to face with some pretty rough stuff. Uh, in a community that uh, that has really been through it, um, and yet you know you're a mother of two daughters, and and obviously um, you're trying to raise kids and things like that in a very difficult environment. Let me ask you this: Are you optimistic? You, how do you do that every day? How do you go to work against the odds, knowing that the you know economic conditions are down? It's unlikely you're going to get the you know the real notoriety or the or the, the, whatever it's going to take to really turn communities around. How do you? Is that difficult to do every day? Or you just do you feel like you're beating your head against the wall? Or how do you approach it mentally? Stay. How do you stay strong enough to, to do something like that?
2: I don't even think about it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think about um, something being so monumental that you can't change it. You can, you can change it. So I guess the more that I work, the more that I see that things do change. And so maybe it is something small, but um, it's better than nothing. When I was um, doing some uh, probably one of the most difficult jobs I had. I worked at the YWCA in South Bend, and we worked with women who um, were in drug rehab, but it was a residential facility, and they had been given the opportunity, or given the choice to either go into this lockdown rehab facility or they were going to jail. So that was their choice. So we had all of these women who really didn't want to be there, but it was better than their alternative. And I can remember feeling kind of at times feeling like this is the hardest job I've ever had you know you see these kids in these bad situations you see these families and you think oh my god how are we ever going to solve this and yet you would see them make you would see some of them make that turn or you would see one of their children start to understand something in a different way than they than the experiences that they have had so then you start to go well gosh you know this work does pay off this is important to do and even if that person doesn't change, the experience changes me. So I think that makes it worthwhile for me because I can always think back and go, oh my gosh, if I hadn't had that experience, I wouldn't be able to understand this next experience or the, the next relationship that I have with somebody. So I think if I look at it in that perspective, it seems like the right thing to do.
0: One of the themes that sort of emerged on the podcast, and this is I think episode six, is why people do what they do, how they got to, you know, normally the people we're talking to with a couple exceptions have been midlife, you mm-hmm. know, forties, fifties, or even sixties. So how did we get where we are? You went to a very upper class. We both did white suburban high school, which the area has changed drastically now, but when we were there, it was probably 98% white. Right. You came from that environment, like 500 other graduates from our class, but you went down this road of advocating for gays and lesbians and the poor and um, the needy and children and women and w- at, at where so many other people went into corporate careers and, you know, or, or stayed in Kentwood and stayed in that neighborhood. Why, why do you think, what was it about your either your childhood or your personality that drove you in that direction?
2: I don't know. I don't think I really consciously made the decision that this was what I was going to do. I think that I knew I was going to do some sort of work with people, Um, and as I became more and more aware of the world around me, I became more and more engaged in trying to be a part of what needed to change. So you meet people, and and I think you begin to realize a lot of the people that I have met in my career... I could be them. I mean, we're really, we're really a step away from being them or we're uh, a big bill at a bad time, you know, that kind of thing, away from being that person who is homeless or that person who doesn't have health care or it, it could be any of us. And so I think for me, it's, a, it's an ability to be able to look at that person and see myself and say, I could be them.
0: But you were always like that. I mean, you always like the, like the Reagan thing. We joke about it, but as early as being 17 years old, mm-hmm. you were a a staunch liberal. Yeah, and your father was not, and your mother was, I think, a liberal. If mm-hmm. I remember, she. <laughs> hated the Reagans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. I remember I, I visited Washington, D.C., went to the White House that year and I came back and I brought a postcard of Nancy and Ron and put it on your refrigerator yeah. with a magnet. And your mom and I had this game where she would take it off and throw it. away, and I'd get it out of the trash <laughs> right. and put it back on there.
2: Well, my grandparents very, very conservative. Yeah. So yeah,
0: how, right. how where in your life did you decide I can help these people and I want to where so many people around you just weren't
2: well, I don't like those people. No.
0: <laughs> Which is another. No, we actually I, want to I talk do, about that. But I
2: think there is some of that. I think, you know, I love my family. And um, we ha- we as human beings have the ability to love people that we don't necessarily like. And I have found myself able to do that. I can love somebody very, very much and care about them, but not necessarily like who they are.
1: Is that
0: why you broke up with me freshman yeah, year? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: Just to pat
1: my own self on the back, I looked at... Uh... Social work as a possible career option. Uh, just looked at it; it didn't pay what I was looking for in the salary, so I passed on it. But congratulations! Oh yeah,
0: so then you you chose comedy, right. which has worked out really well. <laughs> Much more lucrative.
1: This is my first paid gig. <laughs> I don't know who's paying. We're, we're you, getting pal. paid. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> I, I like what you said about the ability to love somebody but not necessarily liking them, which is that's that's an interesting thing for you to say because you hated. High school and yeah, you I despised most of the people <laughs> in high school what I mean what when you look back now 35 years ago what was that about
2: you know what I think the difference is that now I've realized that that's kind of how people are that that in high school okay everything's a little bit more intensive maybe because we're around each other all the time um, but it's really kind of a microcosm of how the greater world functions in a way you still have your groups that don't want you to be a part of them you have people who will Um, be very nice to you one moment but as soon as you're out of the room they're ready to say something bad I think so I think at that time my thought was god I hate this environment and I want to get out of it and I can't wait till I do but now I look at it and I go well that that kind of prepared me for the world as it is because that is very much how people are I I live in St. Joe the little white area of elite people and I don't fit in there I, I don't and so um I think that's partly why a lot of my friends are Ben Harbor people because I can fit in that group. I find a, a place for myself there where I haven't really found where that place is in St. Joe. Um, now that doesn't mean I, I don't participate in things but it does change the way in which I interact and I think that that's very much high school. Um, and the difference for me in high school I think is I w- I'm a girl, I'm a woman, so the experience in life, that is different um, between men and women, plays out really strong for girls in high school. Um, girls are mean. Girls are really, really yeah. mean. And I, Chris and I talk about that, that, that all the time. Was, yeah. yeah, they're mean to <laughs> well, me. It's that incredible. They're mean.
0: <laughs> they're really mean on <laughs> Tinder, apparently. <laughs> Oh, I hit a I, I, I had hit a to nerve laugh
2: about that. No, it just makes me laugh. I think there is not a. What did I tell you? There's no chance in hell anyone's ever going to meet me on Tinder.
0: Well, you've been married uh, for 20 years.
2: Well, well that that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I I, but, sta-
0: I I correct myself. There are a lot of people on Tinder who've been married for 20 years.
2: Yeah, the whole technology thing has just changed relationships in uh, you know interpersonal relationships or just relationships among people in general to the negative. I think it's horrible. I think. What I see the kids say to each other over their phones just appalls me. I, I can't believe that people say those things. I can't believe that their parents aren't paying attention to what's out there.
0: Well, now you've got presidential candidates basically doing the same oh. thing on a debate
2: stage. So Well, it's... or even just what you can see on that phone. Uh, yeah. We were talking about it a little bit earlier, but I had asked my girls the other day, oh, a few weeks ago, when the first time they saw something pornographic was, And, um, my youngest daughter who's 13 said, Oh, third grade on the bus where somebody pulled something up on their phone. And so, you know, there's all these images out there. And if we don't help our kids have some sort of a context for those, I think we're really, we're really hurting them. My daughter was in a production of Pinocchio a few years ago. Right. And, uh, I think I, I see where this is going, but go ahead. N- I, well, it, it's really not going there. <laughs> okay. But it, it, I had to do, a, for somehow, somehow, I ended up being the the parent volunteer who was responsible for set design, right? Yep. So I thought, okay, I've got to come up with something for Pleasure Island.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I learned me. quickly
2: that I better put Disney's Pleasure Island <laughs> <laughs> in front of it. Oh. But so something as innocent as that, and I couldn't believe what I saw. I was then like, holy shit, my kids are... Who knows if they're not Googling that and this pops up. And That
0: reminds me. I think my son was, I want to say, seven or eight years old, wanted me to buy him something, a tennis racket or <laughs> golf clubs or something. And he said, Dad, can we go to the store? And, I, you know, it, 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 maybe it was a new basketball. He was a big basketball player. And I said, yeah, go ahead and Google. See, see what time the store closes. Just Google Dick's Sporting Goods. And as soon oh. and as soon as I said that, I turned around. I was, it was kind of everything was oh. in slow motion. It was like, no. <laughs> I didn't have access to a photograph of a naked breast until probably high school, and that was you know a ripped page out of Playboy, Playboy yeah. hidden under my mattress or something that I saw. Mine
1: was worse. I had to draw my own. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: I'm sure. (laughs) And you still have it. I was
1: a terrible draw. I have no concept. of it.
0: So I want to get back to your work. Another thing that I think is interesting about you is whether it was Elkhart, Indiana or Holland, Michigan, right. For a while, Benton Harbor. I mean, you could have made, you could have had a greater impact leading YWCA in Chicago or Detroit. Why not go to a bigger area, bigger city?
2: I like Michigan. That's one thing. And so, um, I when we decided okay we're gonna leave Elkhart, I I started looking in Michigan. So our deal was my husband had graduated from Goshen College at that time. So the deal was whoever got the first good job, that's where we'd go. Well, I was way ahead of him, so <laughs> <laughs> that was a I shocker. got the job. Yeah, I got the and I wanted to be in Michigan. My um, my mother's in Michigan. My grandparents were in Michigan at the time, so um, I really wanted to be in Michigan. So I got the job. Then that's when I went to Holland and was with Head Start and. And actually really uh, probably one of the best programs I've ever seen run. Uh, It was a great time to be for Head Start because Clinton was president, and so we had lots of funding. It was during the time where um, the program expanded. We were able to get early Head Start grants, which meant starting with women when they were pregnant and getting kids ready for school and all of that stuff. So probably one of the best programs ever. That's a federal to local program, which – is a very unusual thing. So dollars go directly from the federal government to the local Head Start rather than through the state. So really, a really, really good program. I think um, it is probably the one program that Democrats and Republicans vote for and fund every year. And so at that time, I said, okay, I want to work for um, Head Start the YWCA, or at that time I even was looking at the Girl Scouts.
0: So one thing we haven't touched on is your work with LGBT community, especially in Benton Harbor, right? Right. Talk about that a little. I know there's a story about a parade.
2: Well, this was when I I was with the YWCA in Berrien County for seven, eight years, whatever. Good job. I love that job. But our little um, YWCA had developed a program um, called the Out and Affirmation Center, which just really provided kind of advocacy, but information. So this was... 12, 10, 12 years ago, um, information about what it even means to be gay, how do people even know if they're gay, just basic information. And then we did some groups for parents of youth who were identifying themselves as LGBT. Um, So we kind of started there. Well, then we started to have a group of adult LGBT persons um, who started to do social activities. And so we kind of became the social hub. And it was great. It was a really great way to bring, um, like I had said earlier, kind of these marginalized populations of people together in one place. They didn't have to feel alone. They didn't have to feel isolated. It was great. It was a really good program. And then the, the director of that program came to me one day and said, uh, well, I guess I should step back. Okay, Blossom Time Parade is like the be-all, end-all of all cheesy activity that can take place within Berrien County. Blossom I mean,
0: Time Parade.
2: They lo- These people go all out. They spend tens of thousands of dollars to build these floats that they float down the street. So
0: what, what kind of flower blossom are we talking about?
2: Um, Fruit. It's all the fruit blossoms. We're oh. a fruit belt, right? Ah, so, uh, okay. But blueberries so. primarily, but but tons of fruit. So it's all it's in May. It's it's big huge deal. It's
0: like so the float was a YWCA float.
2: Yeah, it was. So so the director of the program came to me and he said, okay, we want to build a float for the Blossom Time Parade. I'm like, okay, whatever, that's cool. Well, it, people might not like that. I'm like, it's not the it's not a gay float yeah, it's, it's just, just a float, float. Right? right whatever and he he was saying he goes, you know a lot of us in high school were not able to be out and if we were this was something that high school kids did that we didn't participate in we right. didn't do these things so i'm like whatever and build a float so we ended up getting this guy um who was a part of the out and affirmation center who had designed floats for the rose bowl parade so he says, yeah, I'll design this float for you. Pretty good credit. So we yes. ended up having this, I mean, gorgeous, beautiful float. Um, I did, We didn't have to pay any money for it. Everybody donated money, yeah. and so it was really cool. Somehow our little no- local newspaper got hold of the fact that the Out and Affirmation Center was building a float. So, the headline of the paper it says, Gay Float, Blossom Time First. That was the big headline on the paper. <laughs> right. I'm like. This
0: is big city news here in uh, Benton Harbor. Gay Float.
2: It was horrible. So, well, then it, we just start getting hate calls. Everybody's calling. I have Bible verses on my voicemail. Everybody's. <laughs> and then we start getting the threats, right? We're going to rip, you know, whatever they want to rip off me, they're going to do, right? <laughs> All these horrible, horrible things. And whatever. So I kind of just wrote it off. But my friend who also worked for me, Fred, said, you got to report that, you know, people are making threats. You got to go to the police department and report that. So I'm like, all right, well, the police department's a block away. So I'm just going to walk over. right?" (laughs) So I'm walking over to the police department. I'm crossing the street. Well, and as I'm crossing the street, this car goes driving by and yells dyke <laughs> right? so i was wow. like what now, the hell was, was that
0: unrelated was it just
2: be- oh no they knew it was me i'm sure no doubt because it was Was
0: there a picture in your paper that ran with the story or what oh
2: yeah oh, well oh really so that was the first story then there was another one that they came out and they and we were i mean the news was out it was
0: satellite trucks parked it, outside yeah, your seriously, house Seriously, <laughs> not outside
2: my house but outside the y it it really became this huge thing that because I of a float would've. in a parade. Yep. Because gay people made it. It's not like you
1: got the village people on top of that thing singing. You didn't have that. <laughs> that's
2: what I, I think people thought. That's what, it, they, they, you know, we we're going to have our leather chaps on. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know what they thought, but I could, I, they thought something horrible. So I walk over, and as I'm walking across the street, I go up to the window in the police department, and the lady who was crossing the street behind me comes up, walks around, goes through the door, and comes up to the window on the other side and says, can I help you? And I said, (laughs) well, I'm Jenny. I'm with the YWCA. She says, oh, that was for you. (laughs) Wow. Like, yeah, I think it was. So we ended up having to have... we had to have police officers in the front of the float and in the back of the float escorting as we walked it. through this thing. So it you got
0: police escort in the parade.
2: We did. And it turned one of the guys, cause, so in the front were the Benton Harbor police because the parade goes from St. Joe over the bridge into Benton Harbor and through downtown Benton Harbor. So the front had the Benton Harbor police and the back had the St. Joe police, right? Yeah. So they follow us down. Well, the guy who was the police officer from Benton Harbor was pissed. He didn't <laughs> want anything to do with it. He was mad. <laughs> whatever (laughs) nuisance he was so angry he was mad at me he was mad at everybody you know whatever he didn't want to do it well uh, now you know flash forward 10 years now he's one of my friends he's actually the chief of police of baton harbor Um, so i have to go get him to sign my liquor license every time i want to do a fundraiser (laughs) (laughs) and he's fine with it does he still
0: think you're a lesbian
2: no i don't get that anymore (laughs) but i did for a long time like i would go do public speaking events and Obviously, the Out and Affirmation Center is one of our programs, so I'd go do public speaking events, and people always ask me, well, are you gay? <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, well, that's really not relevant to you. Why is that relevant to you? Yeah. And then people think, I'm being the smart aleck. You, know, mm-hmm. you ask me a question like that, and I give you a short response, and they think, well, she's rude. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that was quite an experience in our little – I think it made a big difference because now – there's been a float year after year after year. And okay, and we won the showcase award. It was the best float in the thing. So we got this big gold ribbon and whatever. It was like I didn't know did whether to be happy up? about that or whether to be like, Oh shit, now we've got another week of this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, the dike float one. <laughs> right. Let's go stake out her house. Right. Eggs on your windows. Well
2: we did have we did have a guy come over to my house. As now, a result of that? As yeah. My girls were very little. I think Madeline was maybe six, so Sophia was like three. And we were out in the yard it was during that week we were out in the yard playing and this guy who lives around the corner from me comes marching over and he just he just was mad you could tell and he's like are you that jenny Miner?" i said which one you talking about <laughs> depends yeah you're with the ywca and that gay float and blah 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 and i was like okay So then he starts kind of approaching me, walking up on my yard, and he is just spitting mad. He is saying all these horrible things. So I tell Madeline, Madeline, why don't you take Sophia inside? And Mm -hmm. their little faces were pressed up against the window. I I will always have this image in my head. Their little faces pressed up against the window while this guy is just laying into me about, go back to where you came from. We don't want you here. Blah, 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 whatever. Um, So I just said, I said, you know what? Uh, you can come to the YWCA. You can tell me anything you want, but you can't do it not here. In my this house, is my yeah. house. This is my home. You're yep. my neighbor. You know, yeah, come down sense. there and let me have it, but not here. Yeah. So then my neighbor, who I hadn't met yet, um, comes out of his house. He's my next door neighbor. Um, and as this guy's walking away, George is standing on his porch with his hands on his hips. And I didn't know if he was mad at me or that guy. So then as soon as he walks out of my yard, George, my neighbor, says, what that asshole want?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Within earshot of the other guy?
2: Yeah. Well, so I said, I said, well, I don't know if you know what's going on, you know, whatever. Well, I'm with the YWCA. Are you Jenny? I said, yes. And he's like, my daughter had to leave town because she's a physician and she was gay. And as soon as Lakeland found out she was gay, she had to close down her practice and go somewhere else. So he ended up being one of my very best friends. Uh, so it was, a see, so there's a good thing that came from, you know, another interpersonal relationship that um, he ended up being a great friend of ours for a long time and did all kinds of fun stuff with the girls and they'd go over and garden with them and whatever. So it turned out being a really great relationship. And maybe George and I wouldn't have ever really talked had that not happened. So...
0: Boy, you are the eternal optimist. You can see a positive coming out of a negative no matter what it
1: is. <laughs> you were well, almost assaulted in your own home, and it turned out to be a good thing.
0: <laughs> you know, and one of her best friends to this day is someone she was in prison with for two years.
1: <laughs> well, let me ask you this. When you went off to state, what did you study, I man? How did you begin preparing yourself for a life of uh, community service like this?
2: I originally was going to go into education. I was going to be a teacher, Um Right, yeah. yeah, and then you were,
0: well, you were even back then though. You wanted to be a special education yeah, teacher. I that's remember what I was that? Do. Yeah, because you were weren't you a teacher's assistant at a, a preschool for special ed? Kids? I was, yeah, for yeah. a long
2: time. And I have I have handicapped people in my family too, so I'm sure that 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 played out in that anyways. Right. But so that's what I wanted to do. Um, but then, you know, like all young people, you start you go to college, and all of a sudden the world opens up, and you look at wow, this is kind of interesting. Oh, I really like that class, and I really found that I really liked psychology classes and just kept taking them until my advisor finally said, uh, you know, you almost have your degree in psychology. (laughs) 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 Really? Okay. So that's what I, that's what I ended up doing. And I'm really happy that that's what I did. Um, It's, I not I'm not so sure I would necessarily recommend that for somebody to get just a bachelor's in psychology unless you want to go on and do something, but it really worked for me.
0: I think I've asked you this question before, but I'm gonna ask you again because hearing hearing all of these accomplishments that you've done for all of these different <laughs> groups, why don't you run for office?
2: Well, for a couple of reasons. One, I really like being on this side of things. I really like being able I, I like a good fight. I mean, so exactly. Why I don't do, you run for office? <laughs> no, because I think I think then you your role if you run for office is to try to find the middle, middle ground, ground, right? Yeah. It is, mm. I th- and that's that's what I think is lacking in politics is that you know the, the whole system is set up so that you have these two sides, and there are supposed to be people who are really far on either side, Right. because. The, those are the views that make things change and so it's supposed to be that way i'm not supposed to be one of the people who compromises in the middle i think i'm supposed to be over here
0: so you think you can do more good being on the far left yeah changing
2: yeah and i think the fact that you know i'm white i'm a woman i'm not very big so there's a, i'm not physically intimidating in any way shape or form i don't think i'm intimidating at all and so i think that allows me to get away with saying some things and putting some things out there that other people can't yeah so being able to identify that in myself and then have the ability to use that it has just been a skill or a role that i've been able to define for myself well let me ask you and I like well, it. let
1: me ask you this then is there anything out there when you think about i you mean, know, sure you've accomplished a lot and raised two daughters and all that is there anything out there that you think God, I'd really like to do that or I'd really like to try that. Is there anything on your, I hate to say bucket list, but are there things out there you still dream about doing that maybe you'd like to take a shot at?
2: I think the thing that I really like to do, I like what I do. So, you know, yeah, I always look for what is kind of, what would be the next big challenge or, or, um, but I really like what I do. And so I think for me, it's exciting when I can work with people or I do a lot of grant writing or a lot of consulting with nonprofits. And I think trying to help help them recognize what it is they do well and how to get aligned so that they can do it on the kind of the leanest, meanest budget possible because that's how we have to function. I like doing that. It's fun. Um, I've thought about... I've got certain structures in place, depending on the organization that I might be working with. And I've always thought, gosh, I could probably publish that. You know, Mm -hmm. I thought about things like that, that that might be something I'd like to do. But right now, I really want to kind of continue to do what I'm doing. I really like the work in Benton Harbor. I like the community. And I think it's really kind of fun. And I really like um, being a mom, I I think. And I think that You can get yourself into situations um, with your career saying, gosh, I want to do more and I want to do that and I want to do that. But then it pulls from somewhere else and I don't want to pull from that. So uh, that's something I think also as a woman, I've been really fortunate because I've been able to have jobs that. You know, you, you work for the YWCA, you can say, <laughs> yeah. hey, my kid's sick, I'm out of here, <laughs> right. and, and it's okay.
0: If there's one employer in the world who would understand you. <laughs> right,
2: right. And, right, and even Head Start, you know, programs yeah. like that where the, the whole goal is to have women who are empowered or children who have great access to, you know, the ability to learn and to grow. And so there's benefits to that as, as the person who's responsible for that mission Then you can say, look, you know, I got to go spend this time with my kids. Or I've been fortunate to be able to have my kids be a part of my work. You know, I need a volunteer. Well, I got two of them at home. (laughs) Then they're not (laughs) really volunteers. volunteers. Yeah, but, you know, (laughs) but I think they've really gained. And what's neat is they've been able to, you know, they disagree with me. They're not automatically. They're they're pretty liberal thinkers, but they're very independent thinkers. And. They will disagree with me. I mean, they will say, you know, yeah, that's because you're old mom or. But it's kind of cool to have that. And I've always thought as the kids grew up like, oh, I mean, I really like babies. I love holding babies. I'm going to really hate when they're not babies anymore. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they're preschoolers and toddlers. I think this is cool. They can talk. We can read. We can do all these things. This is great. So I always think I'm going to lament that stage and but then, I don't. And then they go into the next stage. I'm like, this is kind of cool, you know?
0: Even though they're teenagers now?
2: I like it. I like it. I like my house. My house is full of kids all the time. I know what's going on. I know who they are. I love it. It uh, costs I, a lot because they eat a lot. But
0: Well, I used to joke that when my son turned 13, I was very close to putting him on eBay. <laughs> oh, oh, Chris. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll cut that out. We'll, we'll cut that out in editing. <laughs> So I just want to I want to say something really really kind of kind of cheesy to to end this, but oh, you know seriously there needs to be more people in the world like you. Oh, <laughs> there really I mean all the things that you your whole life is whether it's your children or other people's children or other people and uh, all the different uh, disadvantages that people have you are the, you are there for them in Benton <laughs> Harbor. There needs to be a Jenny Minor in every such city in I'm sure there are, but.
1: I'm sure there are. Chris and I will sleep a lot better uh, tonight knowing that because a lot of times I'll toss and turn thinking, is someone keeping an eye on or someone doing that? <laughs> but uh, now that I'll know that there are people out there doing it, I don't have to worry about doing it myself. So yes, thank you. Thank
0: you. And I uh, I just want to give a shout out before we go to Michigan State University, the College of Communications, Arts and Sciences, and Gary Reed, who heads up the broadcasting department here. He let us use the facilities today and we really have no connection with the school any longer, so they didn't have to do that. So a shout out to them. And then Jenny. Uh, I just want to throw this out there. If anybody wants more information about uh, Water Street Glassworks, it's waterstreetglassworks.org. And uh, Chris, you, not, you and I need to throw out two men in the middle at gmail.com. If anybody wants to drop us a criticism or slam us for something stupid we said during these podcasts.
2: I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look, look for that tomorrow. So yeah, two
0: men in the middle at gmail.com. No spaces, all small letters. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Have a good week. See ya. Good night, everyone. <laughs> good night. Why'd you say good night?